You bet. So good to see you guys this morning. And for those of you who maybe are joining us for the first time or maybe you weren't here with us last week, I want to just take a minute and kind of tell you what we're doing this morning. We've got an exciting morning plan. We're going to be baptizing some people who have recently made commitments to Christ, and we're excited to do that. Uh, and we'll walk through that here in just a few moments. But during the month of December, as we're moving towards Christmas, we are, uh, instead of having a message that you'd hear from one voice, we wanted to invite some people from our congregation to join me on the platform so that you get an opportunity to hear from different voices uh, in our church. And so uh, this morning, we've got another group, and uh, I'll introduce them to you in just a moment. One of those, just kind of, again, just set the stage for this particular series, a series that we're calling Christmas Conversations. Conversations. Each week we're looking at a different theme or topic related to Christmas and really just having a conversation. And uh, I'd had a few of you ask me this week, so like, did, did you guys script that out and have it memorized? The answer is absolutely not. It is completely unscripted. And with the group we have today... Who knows what's going to happen? So um, th this could be really entertaining for you. So um, we're excited uh, to have an unscripted conversation. And really all that these individuals that are joining me each week receive is just a set of questions that we're going to cover. And they have an opportunity to think about what they might say, but we don't rehearse, we don't practice, we just simply allow the conversation to unfold. And we're doing that for a couple of reasons. Number one, we really want the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our conversation. We believe he does that. We believe that there may be something that you need to hear this morning that we couldn't have planned for. And so we're letting God just work through this conversation. But secondly, we think that you should carry these conversations into your homes over the Christmas season. And in fact, every Monday during this series, we are posting the questions from the previous day on our Facebook page. And so you'll be able to grab those and you can incorporate those into your own conversations as you move into holiday with your family, your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers. And we want to encourage you to do that. The second thing that I've really been praying for for this series, not just that you would kind of enjoy the conversation and carry them into your own lives, but, but really just praying that you would hear something new or different that might help you enter into Christmas this year with a deeper and more profound sense of what this holiday is really all about. And so uh, that's our prayer for this series. And I know that we've prayed already this morning, but this is church and we're going to pray again. So can we just pray together, and then we'll jump in to our conversation this morning. God, we are so grateful, so grateful that we get to be together today. And God, we're grateful that as we gather in your name, uh, you are already here among us. Because as much as we love being together, you love being with us, and we're grateful for that today. So God, as we have this conversation, would you guide and direct this conversation this morning, and would you use it for your redemptive purposes? And for all that you do, God, we're going to give you the thanks and praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'll just real quick introduce this group. Uh, I don't know that they need introducing, but I want to make sure everybody knows who it is that's up here. So to my right is Dory Woldridge, and Dory is barista extraordinaire, if you didn't know that, at Starbucks. And so uh, we're happy to have Dory. And then next to Dory is Norm. Norm's a newer member of our church, but has jumped in with both feet, serves, and has just been committed to growing in the discipleship pathway since he's joined with us. And we're
we're so glad to have Norm as part of our church. And then Diane Buchanan, give him a little wave, Diane, yeah. Uh, Diane is, uh, has maybe most significantly been involved in Common Thread Ministry, but is involved in a lot of other things around here as well. And I know she's part of a prayer group that I know meets uh, on the mornings uh, here during the week. And sometimes I sneak into the conference room next to the prayer room to listen to these ladies pray because uh, they are just crying out to God for our church. And uh, I think a lot of what we see God do is a result of people who pray like that. Uh, and then last but not least is Jared Webb. Jared's been working on some songs that he might work into the conversation yeah. this morning. So, so be ready. Uh, so be ready. So, um, so uh, guys, we're going to talk a little bit today about Christmas message, uh, the, the message of Christmas. And we're going to get to the scriptures and we're actually going to read the Christmas story this morning and talk a little bit about it. But before we do that, I think there are other messages in our culture around this time of year that maybe compete with the Christmas message, uh, and sometimes Christmas gets kind of co-opted to reinforce some of those messages. So if you guys were thinking about the message of our culture as it relates to Christmas and this time of year, what would be some of the things that you'd say? Maybe maybe what does Wall Street say? What does Hollywood say? What's the person on the street say this, this season's all about? Well, I tell you, um, I did a little research about Wall Street. Wall Street uh, looks at Christmas as one of the most significant financial days of yep. the entire year. Sure they have what is actually called, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this before, but it's called the Santa Claus Rally. They actually call it that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what it is, is when the stock market rises due to holiday shopping, the festivities that are going on, celebrations and whatnot. Well, the stock market goes up, and so people are able to, their stocks make money, yeah. you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. And, um, and then also on Wall Street, they have, they have, I think this is either the 99th or the 100th year that they also have a Christmas tree lighting ceremony, like Rockefeller Center, yeah. they have. Uh, entertainment and all the pomp and circumstance. They do all that kind of stuff as they would on Rockefeller Center, but you don't hear about that like you do uh, Rockefeller Center. But the thing about them is their entertainment is mainly all secular. Yeah. They actually, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say what it is because this is what <laughs> I found. I'm just going to call it like it is. They have a 260 uh, voice male gay chorus that sings during that time. There's no reflection of Christ's birth or anything during that ceremony. Hmm. And that is, you know, uh, concerning to me and I'm sure it is to you as well. Hmm. Rockefeller Center, you do have references to Christ's birth and different things of that nature. Hmm. But, uh, Wall Street and, uh, oh, I don't want to take up everybody's time. <laughs> I'll stop. You're I'll good. put it in later. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that for one thing, and I'm sure you guys see this too, during this time as we're ramping up to Christmas, I get 200 plus emails a day mm -hmm. of opportunities to buy and get the yep. shopping done. Yep. And it is. It's an important day in our economy. That's what it's mm -hmm. turned into. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
It, yeah. You know, it really has. It's all about the buying and the gifts. Of course, there's nothing wrong with getting gifts for people. Right. But if that's the main thing, mm -hmm. there's, there's an issue in that. I first thought you were going to say that there's nothing wrong with getting gifts. And I was going to say, amen. Amen. That's right. Huh? Yeah. Did I say getting or giving? Oh, getting like buying, not. I get it. Yeah. I, I went to the dentist this last week and I got my teeth cleaned. And, you know, they put all that stuff in your mouth. Tell. And then they want to have a conversation, right? right. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't make any sense at all. Har, har, but, har, yeah, exactly. So, but the lady said to me while she was cleaning my teeth, I'm so glad Black Friday lasts for three weeks now. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. crazy. That's because it gives her more time to look at all the deals and get what she wants. Mm -hmm. uh, what are what are some of the other messages you'd say? You know, outside of kind of the Wall Street and the economy mm -hmm. piece, what are some of the other messages that our culture maybe gives us around Christmas? Yeah, I think they use it oh, as like a opportunity for you to like live out a dream. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's a push to like break the shackles of like what whatever is going on in your life and just to live in a fantasy. You know, um, anyway, from you, you can see it in the commercials. Like, you know, the first, one of the first commercials I saw this year was like for Zales, the diamonds. You know, buy your fiance, mm -hmm. your wife. Or, mm -hmm. You know, this great moment where the light will shine down from the sky <laughs> and it will be amazing, and you'll remember it till you're 90 years old. Yeah. And it's like, I remember when I was a little boy, the magic of Christmas was was the whole package. Yeah, great going down to see the Christmas tree in the, in the morning and open up the gifts and get the toys and, and the newest transformer I wanted. I mean, <laughs> that was awesome. But it was more than that because it was the anticipation that built up to mm -hmm. it. It was the music. It was the family, the fellowship. Mm -hmm. I look back now and I cherish the family times more than I did the material. Right. Yep. Oh, what I was going to say is I just feel like as much as the season is a stressor, Right, because we got to get all this stuff done. It takes us three weeks to buy all the gifts, all that stuff. Um, but I also think there's kind of like this underlying idea that it's my time to check out because I got more days off than normal. Mm -hmm. And so I can just veg out and relax and not even think about Christmas in what the true meaning is. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, I'm so tired from this year. You know, I just want to sit here and watch Elf, or I just want to sit here and yeah. sleep, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, and it's, I think, Norm, you kind of hit on it, too. There's this thing in our culture of this perfect holiday and having the perfect family mm. and the food. The house is decorated perfectly and the food. And everybody who's seen this is, like, trying their best to, like, get this together. It has never happened in my family. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I, and there's never not been a huge drama in the family getting together. I don't see that on TV or our favorite, Hallmark. 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 There's no drama in Hallmark, I can tell you that. But come on to my house if you want to see the reality. <laughs> you know, And that pressure, that stress that you're, and all of a sudden you are just exhausted just trying to make this holiday mm -hmm. into what the American culture says it should be. Yeah. I did ask ChatGPT what uh, his, her, I don't know what ChatGPT is. It? I don't know. I asked it to tell me what is the main message of Christmas according to North American culture. And this is 
the answer that it gave me. The main message of Christmas in North American culture typically centers around themes of giving, family togetherness, and the spirit of generosity. Mm -hmm. It's time for celebrating relationships with loved ones, reflecting on the year that has passed, and looking forward to the new year. The holiday is often associated with the spirit of giving, which you talked about, mm -hmm. not just in terms of exchanging gifts, but also in sharing time, love, and resources with others, especially those in need. Additionally, for many, it's a time of religious significance, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, which brings messages of hope, love, peace, and redemption. This blend of familial, communal, and spiritual elements forms the core of Christmas in North American culture. So it's not a horrible answer. I mean, it's a pretty good answer. ChatGPT did pretty good. I just was disappointed that it took three or four sentences before we ever got to the real message of Christmas. Yeah. I think that there are lots of themes that we, we find at Christmas. And, and they're good. Many of them are really good themes. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with getting gifts, right? And, so, um, and, and we, we go and buy those gifts, and we give them to people, and we share with them. And we do that because we love them. We do that because we care about them. Um, and all those things are important, and they matter. And we have lots of great food. Can I get an amen, amen. from somebody who's with me right now? The food is wonderful. The cookies, the, the baked goods, the Fudge. I mean, it's just amazing, right? And, and we have all the decorations, and they're beautiful, and, uh, and, and we, we enjoy all of that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, mm -hmm. as long as we understand that underneath all of that, there is an enduring message that mm -hmm. never changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is the message that can change the world. And so this morning for our conversation, rather than just continue to ask questions about what's going on in our culture, um, as good of a conversation as that might be, I want us to just read the Christmas story uh, this morning. And we're just going to kind of break it up into some sections. And I'm going to read it for us. And then I'm going to have the group that's up here with me just kind of share what sticks out to them uh, from these passages that really kind of emphasize the main message of Christmas. So uh, we're going to start here with the first passage, and I'm going to read a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to read from verses 18 to 25. And if you're normally with us, you know we typically put scriptures on the screen. But this morning, we're not going to do that for two reasons. One, I want you to listen to it. And the reason I want you to listen to it is because uh, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written to be read. It was written to be heard. It was an oral culture. And they would write it down, but a person would read it for the group that was gathered to hear it. And so this morning, it's not going to be on the screen, and I would encourage you not to follow along in your Bibles. I want you just to listen to the story mm -hmm. and hear it again, maybe, maybe hearing it for the first time, but likely hearing it again. But I want you to hear it again as if you're hearing it for the first time. So uh, listen to these words from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we'll stop there. What are some of the things that stick out from that part of the story that kind of underscore or emphasize the main message of Christmas? If you guys could not all talk at the same time. (laughs) Well, I'll say one thing that has stuck out to me, and I'm going to go a little bit outside of that section. And I, I noticed that in the story, four times Joseph is given a dream of instruction. Mm-hmm of this situation about his taking his wife, uh, the situation of getting Jesus to Egypt and away from Herod, when to leave Egypt, when they came back to Israel, where to settle. That really struck me this year. Four times a dream. I, I don't know that that means anything, although in that culture and even today, dreams, God uses dreams in that Middle Eastern culture. And I'll just say really quick, I read um, this week that there was over 200 men in Gaza last week that all had the same dream of Jesus and who he was on the same night and came to Christ. And I just thought that, that it's not in the headlines, we're not hearing it in our emails or anything, but God is at work and on the move that we don't even know. We're gonna be just blown away even more when we find out everything someday. But those dreams yep. sat with me. And I think that highlights the intimacy that God has with yeah. us, is mm-hmm. he makes it a personal thing. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's amazing, mm-hmm. because you don't, you, you don't have to Look from afar to know God. He comes right to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like the fact that um, God is so amazing that He chose a virgin. Mm-hmm. He chose Joseph. Okay. Joseph's lineage is royalty through David, mm-hmm. King David. Mm-hmm. And so. Jesus is coming into a family that is a royalty. Mm-hmm. And that's really big. Mm-hmm. As the story proceeds, mm-hmm. it's really big. Yep. Yeah. But on the flip side, yeah, I mean, there's lineage, lineage is like that. But I mean, in terms of like how he presents himself, mm-hmm. it's like it's nothing grand or right. anything like that. Like he's at the bottom mm-hmm. rung. Mm-hmm. And so the highest becomes the lowest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. I but think his, this is earthly. Yep. Yeah, this yeah. is mm-hmm. earthly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for me, the phrase that sticks out from that passage is the "You will name him Jesus mm-hmm. because he will save his people from their sins." And you realize what Christmas is all about is it's not really about 
the baby in the manger. It's mm-hmm. ultimately about the cross where Jesus gives his life to save people from their sins. Mm-hmm. And that that's inherent in his, in his coming to earth, that that's in sight, even as he's, in, as he's in the manger. His name, Yeshua, which yeah. is probably what they said, yeah. which would be Joshua. Yeah. Right, Mr. Huff? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go on to the next passage. This one from Luke chapter 2. And uh, this is where Jesus' birth is now announced. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What sticks out to you from that passage of Scripture? When, when it talks about how Mary, seeing all this going on, she quietly holds that close to her heart. Yeah. Um, doesn't make her part, like, push herself out there into the limelight. She just absorbs the enormity of like the greatest Christmas gift we've ever been given, yeah. Jesus Christ, and and just enjoys that and holds on to that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's wonderful. I have a feeling that the shepherds when all the you know, we read it and oh yeah, don't be afraid and everything. Can you imagine this host of angels appears to you? I have a feeling after the angels left, they looked at each other and said, am I losing it? Did we just see that? I mean, we, we just take it, oh yeah, it's part of the Christmas story. I'm sure they were absolutely blown away. And that those angels came to them, the bottom of the culture. Shepherds were, you know, like, well, I'm not even going to say anyway. But the bottom of the culture. And, and they said, don't be afraid because of the incredible, I, I, I don't know if anybody has seen angels, and I haven't, but it's got to be incredible. You know, don't be afraid. They probably would fall in total fright. Yep. Look at uh, Jesus laying in the manger. Well, the shepherds know the manger is the feeding trough. Yeah. And so... That's where the animals can come and have either hay or fodder or oats or whatever it is that they're feeding them, but they're getting their nourishment out of that trough. And if you think about it, Jesus laying in that trough, who is Jesus but the bread of life? You know, we 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 eat on his word, we eat on on his 
on everything that Jesus is, he mm -hmm. feeds us, he nurtures us. Mm -hmm. And even when we do the Lord's Supper, mm -hmm. what do we say? Uh, take, eat of this, this mm -hmm. is my body that's mm -hmm. broken for you. And then his blood is what covers our sins. Mm -hmm. And through his blood, we have salvation. So all of, all of the entirety of that is yeah. laying right there in that trough. Hmm. That amazes me, it's it good, just huh? does. Good stuff. Yeah, I was thinking, like, just back to how the shepherds are at the bottom of the totem pole, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so they're going all around and, and saying that this has happened. And it's like, okay, well, why, people, why didn't people listen to them? And so the next thing I'm about to say, it doesn't reflect my personal opinion, but I was just trying to think, like, if God picked the shepherds today, like, mm -hmm. who, who are those people? It's like, okay. if a whole bunch of workers from Burger King mm -hmm. came to you and were like, hey, this happened, What's your reaction? Because I feel like most of us would be like, what are you, what are you, guys, you guys are nuts. You guys are crazy. And so it's just like this paradox that God picks these people yeah. who are at the bottom to pronounce it. And yet it kind of shows how much more the need is for God to move hearts. Because even though he asks those people to say that, people need a supernatural work of the spirit to be able to yeah. believe in it. It's not like the no. priests were running out and talking about yeah. this. Yeah. Like the top of right. the uh, yep. rung, it was the shepherds. And if you do work at Burger King, I just want to say, you rule. <laughs> yeah, you rule. <laughs> That's why I'm going to say anything. One more passage of scripture, and then we're going to get to the baptisms. But this is after Jesus is born. It's at the eighth day of his life. He's being presented at the temple, which was what the law prescribed. Uh, and this is what it says, beginning in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated of the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or young, two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God, and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward 
to the redemption of Jerusalem. Mm. What sticks out to you in these last couple minutes of this conversation from that passage of Scripture? I just think it's amazing that God revealed the truth of who Jesus was to different people and allowed them to come and affirm that to Joseph and Mary. I mean, I'm not convinced they completely knew what was going on in this. And just those affirmations and how that must have helped them to figure out what God was planning all along. Yeah, because it's like that source of reaffirmation from the Lord comes from so many different places, like yeah. you said. It's like you, you never know where it's going to come from. So it reminded me to, to always keep my mind open to what's going on because you never know when he's going to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, having that testimony, that prophecy, I don't... I don't know, I'm just, I'm on the same line with you. I don't know if Mary and Joseph really got it all right then, but as life unfolded, Mm -hmm. as as occurrences happened, it was like that aha moment, oh, oh, that's what he was talking about. Oh, that's what Anna meant. You know, it all come Mm -hmm. back to them and they were able to understand it a lot better. And I'm sure that strengthened them in those tough times. Yeah. I think to myself, because it says like, I mean, God kept Simeon alive for this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was led by the Spirit of the Lord to the temple. So if he hadn't been attentive to the Holy Spirit, he would not have been able to experience mm-hmm. that moment, right? And so it's like, I, my two questions are like, are we attentive enough to the Holy Spirit to be ready for those? But yeah. then on the flip side, like, where... What if he... How many more people would God have spoken to mm-hmm. if people during that time were attentive to the Spirit? Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And yeah. it had to help with their families and friends, too. You know, if they were saying, these guys are nuts, they think that they're giving birth whoa, to uh, the Messiah. It's just the censorship. Don't worry. It's, it's... Oh, good. <laughs> because I was just going to let one fly. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> that, uh, they, uh, I don't know if I'm on anymore, but you all can hear me, right? Um, just to, so their families, oh, did you hear that Anna, the prophet, told them and spoke a word about the baby? Mm-hmm. I mean, it had to get around, too, mm-hmm. yeah. which had to be a great affirmation hmm. as well. Yeah, when I read this passage, there are a couple things that really stick out to me. One is uh, that you never stop listening and seeking the Lord no matter how old you get or how long you've been in the journey. Uh, I think about Anna's life, just the way she's described as someone who's constantly praying and fasting and worshiping, even as she's getting into the later years of her life. And and thinking about the fact that that's the call for all of us, right? Is that we never get to a place where it's like, I've got enough of God Mm. uh, that I can just kind of coast now, but I want to keep leaning in and pursuing Mm. all the way until the moment when this life ends and the next one begins, right? Um, So I think that's one thing. And then I just think the last line of what Anna says in this passage, that, that really this child is all about the redemption, 
that's mm-hmm. coming. And she sees that and she knows that. I think she knows it because she's been seeking the Lord. And she mm-hmm. knows that the Lord is pursuing redemption for the world. That's what God's heart is. That's what God's mission is. And uh, just thinking about the fact that that's really what Christmas is about. It is about redemption. We've seen it in every passage that we read this morning. Yeah. You'll call him Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. And we get to the, you know, the second passage we read, and this is good news for all people. Why? Because Jesus is going to be the salvation of the world. He's bringing grace to the world. And then Anna sees this child and he isn't, this child hasn't done anything yet. It's been born. That's it. But Anna can see this is about the redemption of Israel. And I was thinking about the word redemption and it literally means to buy back. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about when we were, when I was a kid, uh, we used to go to the store and we'd get these like carriers uh, of bottled soda pop for you Midwesterners. Um, we, we called it soda where I was born. So, um, but we would get these, these cartons of glass bottles and then we would drink the soda and then we would not throw those away or put them in a recycling bin. We'd put them back in the carton and take them back to the store because the bottling company would redeem them. Mm -hmm. They would buy them back and then take those bottles, recycle them, and return them to their original purpose. That's what God does with human beings. He made us for a specific purpose, to live in relationship with him and with one another, just as he designed us to live. And we rebelled against God. We went our own way. But God doesn't say, "Ah, just throw them away. No, he says there's value in them. I want to redeem them. I want to buy them back and I want to transform them. I want to recycle them and I want to put them back to their original purpose. This is what Christmas is all about. This is the main message. And whatever messages our culture has about the lights and the trees and the miracles and the magic and all the stuff that we see when we turn on those Hallmark movies, (laughs) all that stuff, it's all fine and good. But what the season is really all about is this message of redemption that God is on a mission to buy us back, to restore our lives, and put us back to our original purpose. And this morning, we have some people in our church who have experienced the redemptive work of God. God has saved them. God has bought them back, and they've experienced that, and they're being returned to their original purpose. They're, they're experiencing yes. right now God's work in their lives of shaping and forming them to be exactly who he wants them to be. And that has been happening in their lives from the moment they've accepted Christ. But this morning, they're going public with their faith. They're going to step into these waters of baptism and they're going to be buried with Christ. That's what Romans 6 says. They'll go under the water and it'll be just like being buried with Christ. And when they come out of the water, it's just like being raised to new life in Christ. And when they come up out of that water, what they ought to hear from us is just incredible celebration 
that we are excited not just for them but for what God is doing in them he's redeeming them buying them back and restoring them to their purpose so we're going to move into that time now and congregation I'd love for you just to take a moment if you would and thank those who have joined us this morning and for their willingness to share with us Can we stand together this morning? We're going to sing a song. We've got kids that are going to come in uh, to be in the sanctuary during this baptism. And then we'll have an opportunity to uh, celebrate with those who are being baptized. So let's sing together.